Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. I'm a huge believer that when we decide that um, life isn't actually going the way we want it to, one of the fastest ways to turn the corner is to allow our life to accept the fact that we were built to praise. We were built and we were wired to worship a God who loves us and is for us. And so I am a huge believer that in the times of the greatest stress in our life, that uh, the, the, the greatest way to climb out of that is to begin doing two things. One, start praising and start serving. And when those two things happen in sync, man, you've got something powerful going on in your life. And so I want to invite you to do that. Hey, if you guys haven't already bought a coffee, a uh, cup of coffee from Refuge, uh, the truck is outside. It's incredibly good. They'll make a cute little heart or a leaf or something on top if you want. Uh, I didn't feel really good that they'd made that for me, but it, you know, it's, it, it was cool. So the second cup, I went back and just went with black coffee, which seemed a lot more manly. And so, uh, so I went with that because so there's something not right about being a grown man and ordering a latte. You know what I'm saying? It's, it just doesn't feel right. So I thought, so I felt so much better when I could say black coffee, you know? Doesn't that make you feel better? That's more manly, isn't it? I like the latte better, but the black coffee's pretty good. But go on out there and buy some, and you can buy these mugs. I think they're 12 bucks or two for 20. I'm not gonna shame you like I did last week with the coffee, but if you really love Jesus, he'll do that. And um, no pressure. No pressure. By the way, Phil, I, I saw you move just a hair. I saw it. I saw it. And we're, we're in week three of better. And uh, we went from a better you the first week to a better y'all last week. And today we're on the topic of a better home, which is kind of fascinating because there are two seasons in life that you get to see the best and the worst of family. Uh, I, I happen to be in the center of both of those at times where uh, you can see the best and you can see the worst in a family at a funeral because nothing stirs up drama quite like that. The only thing that stirs up more drama is a wedding. And so it, they are, these are combustible times in our family's lives because it's just anything and everything that can go wrong will go wrong and everything that can be a mess can be a mess. So we married off daughter number three last night, three of six, and so we got her married and off. I know the payroll's feeling better already. And, um, and, and so we, I go back to walk up with the groomsmen to officiate and I say, who's got the rings? And I notice nobody wants to answer. And I'm thinking to myself, really? Seriously? I've done 247 weddings. Nobody's ever forgotten the rings except for my daughter's wedding. So I said, quick, one of you guys that are married, let me have your ring. And then the, uh, then the, the little uh, flower girl or, or dude that holds the ring, that little kid, he went and got Lori Bunn's ring. And so when it was time to exchange rings, I said, and since you're taking these vows before the Lord and wearing someone else's rings, I want you to know how symbolic this truly is. And everybody thought I was kidding until I, I explained how that could happen because their collective attention span is south of a gnat. And how they will ever survive in this world, nobody knows. But here's the good news. They're not living in my house. And I no longer pay for a cell phone, insurance, gas, or a car. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
Now, as you well know, there's no proof that will say they won't be back. But if you'll join me in praying that, your pastor will be a happier man. Yes, I will. It was an interesting evening last night. I, uh, we, we hired a band uh, called Sonic Groove. And I just thought to myself, if, if, I'm gonna, if I'm gonna spend money on a band, I'm gonna dance every stinking dance. Just let that get in your head for a minute. I'm gonna blow your mind the next one. So when it came time for the obligatory, you know you make me wanna. Oh, come on, even the 930 crowd was better than that. I mean, like even the 930 crowd, I had 12 people, shout. All right, so let's try that. You know you make me wanna. Okay, so the obligatory shout, a uh, couple of the bridesmaids, you know when you get low, said, hey Chuck, come on. And I'm like, if I get down, I ain't coming up. So I got down and thought to myself, really, I cannot stand up. So I just rolled over on my back and did the alligator. To which they said later on when I saw the pictures, it looked a little more like a cockroach. They're such a blessing in my life. So today let's tackle home and what family looks like. By the way, let's just kind of put everybody at ease, okay? If you're a husband or a dad, I am not here to beat you up today, all right? If you are a mom or a wife, I am not here to laud more praise on you than you deserve because that's typically what preachers do. They beat the dude up about how awful he is. And we talk about how loving and kind and gracious and sweet you ladies are. We all know that's a lie. And so I just lost half the crowd. Yeah. And, and the fact is, every family I know, starting with mine, is dysfunctional in its own right. Amen. Isn't that true? I mean, do this for me. I do, we do this regularly. Just swivel your head around. Look at the people around you. Just look at them. Look. Go ahead. Go, look around. Here's what you can be sure of. Somebody's life is more messed up than yours right now. I promise you that's true. Here's what I have found, that in this room, we have folks who think they have a perfect home, a perfect family. But that's because they only have one kid and they can't walk yet. <laughs> then we have another group of family who they have elementary school kids and they hear the horror stories of those of us who have grown kids and they say to themselves when they leave church, that'll never happen to us. <laughs> you will eat every syllable of every one of those words. And then there's a group that has had family and family was broken and we're trying to figure out how do we put the pieces together. And by the way, if you're in that category, I don't know whether you should feel comfortable or better about this, but there's a lot of us in this room in that category. And then you've got another group that went from broken to blended and thought that love could indeed conquer all, but it couldn't conquer four teenagers blending into one home. And they're thinking, my stars, what on earth are we gonna do? And then there's a group who, those kids have already grown up and they're in their 20s and they're having babies now. And we begin to realize they're just goofballs too, they're just kids but we kind of miss having them in our home, except on Friday night when we don't have to worry about them getting home. And we got a little of everything in here. We got single parent families. We got grandparent led families. We've got, we got families who have tried to connect together and rebuild. We've got families that have been together for 50 years. But what I know about every family is there's no family that is exempt from the trials and the storms of this life. Every family whether it's made up of one, of two, of 20, 
every extended family, every family on the planet is either going into a trial, in the middle of a trial, or just coming out of a trial, getting ready for the next one. Because life as a family goes from one season to another season. And the, and, and the challenge for us is to figure out how do we weather every season? How do we, how do we get there? And the, the scriptures give us such a beautiful picture of how we go from a, a better you to a better y'all to a better home. And so I want to begin today, and I want to stop and pray for you. So I, I want to take just a little poll here, and please feel free, if, you, if, if, if it's embarrassing or you, you're not comfortable raising hands on this and participating, I promise you, no, no sweat. How many of you would say, you know, my family is one, in one of those seasons, it might be great, it might be small, but my family is one of those seasons where we, we really do need God to step in and do something. Anybody with me? Yeah, that's, that's mine. I'm telling you, man. How, how many of you are in blended families where you've put two, two new marriages together and you got kids and whatnot in the middle of that? It's brutal, isn't it? Oh, my stars. All these folks who have been married one time and they've got a nuclear family of kids, they're, they're thinking, oh, it must be easy for y'all. You started over again. No, it's a death march. Every family I know has got great challenge. Here's what the scriptures say in Psalm 127 in the first three verses. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. I think about that verse and I look and I recognize that the psalmist is saying, whether you're a family that is intact, a, a family that is, that, that is in crisis, if you're somewhere in between or beyond, what the scripture is saying is at some point, you have got to either build this family and this marriage on, on a foundation that is solid or it is going to crumble. Jesus tells the story of a man who built a big and beautiful house. We're talking river club kind of house. And, and the outside was beautiful and it was decorated perfectly. And the landscaping was extraordinary. I mean, it was just a beautiful home. You walked in and I mean, it was, you could tell that this had been well crafted. It was absolutely gorgeous. It was, it was furnished well and it was decorated beautifully. And yet the storms came and the lightning flashed and the thunder rolled and the rain pelted down. And eventually that home that had not been built under a great foundation, but was a beautiful place that had all the right showpieces, that rain got underneath, that water got underneath that home and, and, the, and the home was gone because he built it on sand. He, he didn't build it on anything solid. And then the Lord Jesus says, and then there was a second guy who built a similar home, it was beautiful, it was well decorated, it was well kept, the yard was beautiful and it was gorgeous inside, but this guy had built and taken the time to build the foundation that mattered underneath his home and the thunder started rolling and the lightning started flashing and the rain started pelting the home and the water was gathering and collecting and yet that home stood firm. And the text gives us this understanding why Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3.11. He said, for no one can lay any foundation 
other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. You say, well, Chuck, that, that sounds so simple. Well, let, let me put it to you this way. I have never married a young couple who in their vows, I said, do you take for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, till death do us part, but at the end of three years, let's reconsider. I've never done that marriage. We're not, I've, I've never known anybody that said, I do with the expectation that someday we're gonna not. Nobody plans that. And yet, according to any national static or statistic out there, it's half or more of folks in this room have experienced the fact that that is real and it happens. Okay, well, just look right here. If you've already checked out on me, listen to me, folks. It is not the end of your world. And it is not the end of God's usefulness for you. And God can use all of that to do a great work in you, through you, for you, and for your family. And even though it's not hard to say, oh, we'll be fine, it is hard. It's difficult and it is challenging. But listen, you can start with a great foundation or you can stop and rebuild and firm up a foundation. This is not one of those sermons where I say, this is what you should have done. Anybody can say what you should have done. Anybody can say what could have happened. Jesus comes along and says, listen, this is the way this works. Unless there's a foundation, the home is going to wash away. By the way, that's true of a marriage. That's true of a relationship with your kids. That's true of a relationship with your parents. That's true of a relationship with your church, your work, your business, anything else. Unless we build this solid foundation, this world offers us a tremendous amount of storms and trials. And when those storms come, if we're not planted firmly on a firm foundation, we are going to blow all over the wind and inevitably we're gonna be all over the community and the whole world's gonna look and say, wow, I thought they had their junk together. That home is so beautiful. And you're gonna to have to look at the community and say, I'm just like you, we're messed up too. Why not just go ahead and admit it? I mean, why don't we just stop and say, we're all there in some right. One of the last things that I built, I was a builder before I was a preacher. I didn't surrender to becoming a pastor until later in life just because I just don't like pastors. And I, you know, I just never wanted to be one of those guys, you know? And so I was a builder. One of my last projects was a Kroger and a Belk Center over in Lawrenceville. And at the end of that project, at the end of that strip center was a, a space that was built for a, a dry cleaner. And we were almost done with the project and I showed up one morning early on the job site to go back to the, to the job trailer and I noticed that we had had a massive, about a two inch crack that was running down the corner on each side where the brick had separated, the block had separated, the only thing holding it together was the rebar and I thought, oh my star, something is desperately wrong. So I call our engineers and, and we, we rack everything off and firm up what we can. We start digging and there had been no rock on this site at all. And yet what we found when we dug and the engineers got involved that about 14 feet down, there were boulders that were massive about the size of your home. And there were empty spaces between those boulders all over the place. And the only way we could secure that foundation, there was no way to go back and rebuild. What we had to do was pull the broken part off and trash it, dig down, and we filled hundreds of yards of what they call slurry, which is basically really soupy concrete, and it, until it could fill all of those voids and we could get it up to the grade level. And it was hundreds of thousands of dollars to rebuild just this little corner of this foundation. You see, it could have been right from the beginning, but it wasn't. 
And then inevitably, what happened was we had gone through a time where water had gotten in and underneath that foundation, and it, one part of it had been, begun to crumble. Now, the rest of the center was perfect, but that one spot had trouble. Isn't that just like our home? Where it seems like every now and then there's just this one spot. Like in my life with six daughters, it's almost like, okay, this one spot, sometimes it's me. So, sometimes it's Jen. Sometimes it's one of the six girls. Matter of fact, most of the time, it's one of the six girls. <laughs> and we got to drop back and we got to pull the broken pieces off and we got to fill the foundation. And we got to build it back up. And that takes a lot of work. But can I tell you, it is not impossible. It is highly pop probable that you can do that. But listen again to what Paul said. No one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have in Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying to me and to you is this, that you cannot, no matter how much slurry you pour, no matter how well you thought you built it, there are going to come times when you have to build the foundation to start, and there are times you've got to rebuild the foundation to continue, but he's saying no foundation. Your business, your job, your marriage, your home, your kids, your parents, your grandparents, you build nothing solid apart from the one foundation that will never wash away, the one foundation that will always stay rock solid, and that is the solid rock of Jesus himself. And so when you look at that, you say, well, Chuck, I'm in one of those places where I need to rebuild a foundation. Maybe you're in one of those places where you say, Chuck, we got to start all over again. We got to tear this home down. We got to build a solid foundation. We got to go from the ground up. Some of your marriages are at that point where you got to rack off some of this old stuff that's lingering and hanging on to you. And you got to find a firm foundation that can clean the slate and start over. Some of you are single parents and you're just exhausted and, and the foundation is falling apart just because you're exhausted. And some of you are in blended families and it is just like one major fight after another and you just want to rack it off and start from scratch and solidify this foundation. Let me just tell you, there's one foundation. Scripture says one foundation that's not going to wash away. There's one foundation that's never going to forget the rings. There's one foundation that's going to always say, I do. There's one foundation that's always going to say, I love you. There's one foundation who's always going to come back and say, I still love you. And Paul says it's found in Jesus, our Christ, the Lord. You say, well, Chuck, I want to do that, but I have no idea how to do that. Really, I, 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 I would have no idea how to do that. I, I don't even know if he's my, I don't know if he's my firm rock. I don't know if he's my, my solid rock. I don't even know if he, he's my redeemer. I don't know that he is my Lord. I don't know that he's my savior. I don't know that he's my foundation. You know how simple it is to start? Scripture says when you call upon the name of the Lord, he will answer and hear you and he will deliver. And it sounds just like this. You ready? Just look, just keep looking at me. Don't, don't bow your head. Don't close your eyes. Just look right here. It sounds just like this. Jesus, I need you. Forgive me. I've made some terrible decisions. I haven't, my life's just got some messed up parts in it. I accept the fact that you died for me and you rose from the grave for me to pay for all my sin, my selfishness, every bad choice. I, I, want, I want to make a U-turn of my life. I, I don't, I'm tired of living for me. I want to live for you. Jesus, would you just hear my prayer and come into my life right now? You see, if that's the prayer of your heart, it is always a matter of your heart. There's no checklist you can follow. There's no magic prayer you can pray. It's simply a heart that cries out to God and says, I need you. 
This is how we start building a foundation. This is how we rebuild a foundation. This is how we sweep clean a home built on the sand and build a solid rock foundation. But then you say, well, Chuck, listen, I've done that personally, but my spouse doesn't know Jesus from apple butter. What do I do? And you know what I'd say to you? Listen, number one, don't use the Bible as a weapon and hit him with it or her with it. I promise you it's not going to work. You cannot beat people into heaven. You cannot scare people into heaven. Let me tell you what you do. You pray, and then you pray, and then you pray some more. And when you think, Lord, you're just not answering this prayer, you keep praying, and you pray some more. And you trust that the Lord Jesus loves your spouse more than you do. He wants your spouse home in heaven more than you do. There's nothing that that spouse can do to make him not love you and not love him or her. And you pray some more. And when Jesus shows up to solidify the foundation of your home, glory falls and mercy becomes real and grace becomes tangible. Maybe you're here today and you, man, your kid went off the rails. And you're thinking, man, I was one of those parents that said in elementary school, my kid will never do that, and yet they've done it. And you had a solid foundation in your home and you taught them the things of God and you prayed for that kid and, you, and you're just looking back and thinking, how in heaven's name did that kid, I had that kid in Sunday school when he was a toddler. I, this kid was part of the youth group. This, he, he, got, he, he got baptized every single year at youth camp because he was sleep deprived. I mean, come on. And yet the kid was just off on the rails. What do you do? You pray for that kid. You pray some more for that kid. And you never stop praying for that kid. And parents, listen to me. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I got six daughters. If a kid can screw up, my kids have done it. You can't find many things that we haven't experienced. I know the heartache of bailing your kid out of jail. I, I know the heartache of, of trying to minister to a daughter who, who, who took things a little too far. I know the heartache of thinking, what did I do wrong? I know the pain of when you put your head on a pillow and you think, I, but I taught them to love Jesus. What happened? You know what happened? Life happened. You know who is the cure for life? Jesus the Lord. He is the Savior. He is the foundation. He is who we return to. And when we do, that foundation becomes solid. He rebuilds from the ground up. He works within our life. And when you see your kid return, listen, it's just like the prodigal son when the dad sees the son coming back and he just pulls his robe up, which was totally not cool in that culture. And he ran to the son and embraced him and said, welcome home. You know why this church says welcome home? I mean, we, we don't need a tagline. It's because many of us are that kid. And if there's ever a place that you ought to open your arms up to this kid that's gone off the rails or this mom or dad that's gone off the rails, they ought to come to church and hear, welcome home. Come on in. You know why? Because when a home is under attack, what every home needs under attack is grace. And you don't get grace until you need grace. And mom and dad, you can't extend grace until you've received it. And when you've received it, 
you get to extend it. And when that kid under your house, under your roof, goes off the rails and you're wondering how in heaven's name did it happen, I don't know. But I know this, aren't you grateful that under your roof, you have the opportunity because you've received grace to extend grace so that when that kid needs it again, they'll know from whence it came. So if your kid got, got busted for smoking weed and they're still living, yeah, cool, beat the tar out of them. That's cool. I mean, you know, wear their butt out. If you're not one of those wearing butt out kind of people and you want me to be arrested for saying that, go ahead and put them in time out. <laughs> Do you not realize that's why they were smoking weed anyway? <laughs> Just saying. If you're a high schooler and in this room or watching online right now, I'm talking to you. You cannot extend grace until you have received grace. But listen to me, church. Grace is not a pass. Grace demands more, not less. Grace calls for us to live for Christ, not to get a hall pass to run away from Christ. Grace calls us to build a foundation and to rebuild a foundation. Grace knows that the only place you receive it so you can extend it is in the presence and the power of the one foundation, Jesus our Lord. So let me just stop and say to you, inside this foundation, when you start putting up some walls, we better put up walls that include some healthy communication. Mom and dad, if you want your kid to tell you about their day and not just use one, let, one word or one letter answers like, mm, fine, okay, whatever. Could I just say to you, open up about your day. Yes. Dad, you want your kid to have a conversation with you? You have a conversation with your kid. You wanna create open conversation? Do it, make sure you and your spouse are having, mom, you wanna have an open discussion with your daughter, your son? Tell them about your world. And by the way, don't expect your kid to be so much better than what you were. Isn't that frightening? I'll never forget the first time I got a call from one of my daughters from jail. I Notice I said multiple. Not same kid, but another kid or two. Listen, you know what? That kid was raised in a Christian home. That kid, they memorized scripture. That kid went to a Christian school. But I'm grateful that in their 20s, I still have healthy communication with my kids. You know why? Because we gotta stop blaming what's going on on anything. Hold kids accountable in love and learn that you gotta rebuild a foundation and reintroduce them to life with Christ. This is well where we fix it. So if we're, if we're gonna have healthy communication in our home, mom and dad, we gotta start. There gotta be healthy com communication between the two of you. The vast majority of couples that wind up in my office with a broken family or a broken marriage or a marriage in crisis, the vast majority, they're not in there be because of infidelity. Most of them are in there because they just stopped communicating or what they communicated got to be so harsh they couldn't recover from it. Let's start with healthy communication. And by the way, that is built on trust. Trust is like a, like a savings account. 
You've saved for years to have 20 grand in it, and one day you hit midlife and think, I've always wanted that Harley, and so you pulled it all out and you bought it, and you thought, I'm gonna return it, and then you realize it's gonna take 10 more years to return it. You can spend a lifetime building trust in one stupid thing, it's all gone, and you gotta start and rebuild, but you can start and rebuild. You know, one of my favorite walls to build in a home is flexibility. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. Listen, Samantha, our youngest daughter, is a slob. She is a teetotal pig. I have never seen a human that could totally destroy a room quite like Samantha could. And when we say to Samantha, you've got to clean your room, her idea of cleaning the room is how much junk can go under the bed or in the closet. And if you open the closet, you might die because it, there should be a sign that says contents under pressure. So we decided a few years, we were cracking down on this. We built the chart. We included the reward. We included what would happen if you didn't do it. Guess what happened? She is in college now and she's still a pig. You know what I'm grateful for though? I didn't draw a line so hard that I can't still sit down and talk with her and say, I love you and she'll tell me almost anything. Now let's build a roof. Let's get a roof on this puppy. First Peter chapter four, verse eight says this, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love covers a multitude of sins. You wanna have a covering over your family? You wanna have a covering over your home, over your kids? Listen to what the scripture says. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love covers a multitude of sin. You know what it goes on to say? And above all things, love one another. What kind of love? A fervent love for one another. Listen, I, nobody can get more mad at a kid than I can get mad at a kid. But you know, they're my kids. And I, I'll do anything for them, won't you? Wouldn't you for yours? Yeah, I know you would. I've seen you. You get a roof on this bad boy and you remember Paul said, love never fails. Your decision is simple. You, you can choose to say, we've, we gotta go to a counselor. We gotta read a book. We, we gotta go to a conference. We gotta have a conference for parenting. We gotta have a conference for marriage. We gotta have a conference for kids. We gotta, listen to me, folks. It, it, don't make this more complicated than what it is. Jesus, our one sure foundation says, if you need to rebuild it or you need to start it, call on my name. And when you do, you're gonna start filling your home and settling a foundation that is rock solid. When you as a family just decide we're gonna openly speak on the things of God. When Paul said love never fails, he knew that everything else would fail. When he makes a big deal about love never fails, he knew everything else in life was going to fail you but love. And what's the definition of love? According to God our creator, God is love. Love is God. And so literally the scriptures are saying anything other than Jesus as our solid rock, it's going to fail. Why fail when you don't have to? The decision's simple. Now what you may have to say is this, what if you were to just be able to stop and say, wait a minute, maybe we're too far gone. Could I encourage you? 
If you want to fend off the tornadoes and the storms and the torrential rains, the burglars and everything else in life, open your home to the things of God. Open your home up to the word of God. Stop together and pray. You know the old cheesy bumper sticker? I bet y'all had them years ago. The family that prays together stays together. Wasn't that a creative thing? I, I, it was so cheesy. I, there's no possible way I'd put that on my vehicle. I thought, good, I couldn't put it on my vehicle because I would be a liar. But you know what I've learned? It's true. But let me tell you what kind of prayer is true. Prayer is not when you pick the cutest little kid with the lisp and he, he or she does, God, it's great. God, it's good. Let us thank him for our food. And everybody goes, aw. Listen, do that. That's cute. That's cool. But your kids need to hear you pray out loud. And I don't know what year it happens, but listen, park your King James voice somewhere else and talk to God. He's heard you all day long. If you break out some other voice, the Lord is going to think, where did you go? So if, if you feel like you've got to impress your kid with some spiritual understanding, Father, we thank thou that Johnny did not fail today, lest I kill him. Now, yeah, listen, I, I want to practice something. Don't bow your head. Don't close your eyes. Look right here. Let me, t let me tell you how simple praying with kids, if you've never done it before, it could sound just as simple. God, we're all alive today. Thank you. I'm really glad we're healthy. Thanks for food. Thanks for every breath. God, tomorrow's a tough day. Help John. He's got an exam and he's struggling. God, help my husband or help my wife. They've got a tough day tomorrow. God, I know you hear me because you promised you would. And best I know how, Lord, I love you. Would you fill our home and make our foundation solid? I trust you to do that. And then invite everybody to simply say amen. You see, it. I, I want to help you, parent. God is not impressed by anything you offer him other than obedience and love. And he is wildly impressed by that. Rebuild or build your home on the one sure thing, Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Guard our home. Guard our heart. Cause us to build a home and settle on a foundation that is built of nothing but you, built by nothing but you. Let our walls of communication and trust and flexibility be sincere and honest before you. Cover our marriage and cover our home and cover our kids with love that we just cannot even fathom. For you alone are God, and we praise you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.